All right. All God's people said amen. 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 Thank you guys so very much. What a confession of faith, isn't it, that we confess that we're a, a child of God and that He is for us and He's not against us. I want to say welcome to you this morning to kind of get my voice acclimated to even to speaking to you this morning. I really felt good this morning. I felt like I could sing with Adam this morning. Uh, and so that's a new range for me where he goes. I can't always go, but it seems like that uh, uh, because of uh, something I'm able to get there this morning. So, so uh, as long as it lasts, uh, turn in your Bibles, if you would, with me to Matthew chapter 2. Matthew chapter 2, and I want to share with you a message about the Christ child. You know, when we think about celebrating Christmas, uh, oftentimes we're uh, caught up in all the trappings and the luxury and uh, the comfort and comfort food and the comfort gifts and uh, all those things that we're sharing at Christmas time. It is a wonderful way to express God's love when we give something to someone else. But we have to be careful and remember uh, some things about his coming that uh, really are uh, hard for us to think about or imagine. You know, Jesus, he came, and when he came, it was a hard time, even in the beginning, for him. Uh, You look at his birth as we read the accounts of Luke's gospel, and uh, as Keith read, and we understand how in obscurity Jesus Christ was born. Uh, how that he came even in poverty and struggled and then lived the life that he lived, always being opposed and great opposition against his teaching and his ministry. Uh, he suffered and died on the cross, was mourned, but yet raised from the dead the third day. You know, Jesus struggled here on earth, didn't he? Uh, and his birth was just the beginning of that very thing. And so we shouldn't be surprised when sometimes our life gets difficult and it's hard, but yet he's always there for us. And so in Matthew chapter 2, I'd like to read for you verses 1 through 12 and come back and and look at some of the things about the Christ child, about his coming, that hopefully that we can realize a, a challenge to our lives today to be faithful to the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, Jesus came because he was faithful to the Father's mission for him. He was faithful to uh, our needs and to us, and he came for us. And so, in his story, there ought to be some examples of our need to be faithful to him as well. Follow along with me, if you would, in Matthew chapter 2, beginning at verse 1. Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, In the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled in all of Jerusalem with him. And when he gathered, had gathered all the chief priests and scribes of the people together, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. And so they said to him in Bethlehem of Judea, For thus it is written by the prophet, But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are not the least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. 
And then Herod, when he had secretly called the wise men, determined from them what time the star appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the young child, and when you have found him, bring back word to me that I may come and worship him also. And when they heard the king, they departed, and behold, the star which they had seen in the east went before them till it came and stood out over where the young child was. And when they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceedingly great joy. And when they had come into the house where they saw the young child and with Mary his mother and fell down and worshipped him. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented gifts to him, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And then being divinely warned in a dream that they should not return to Herod, they departed for their own country another way. Bow with me this morning, if you wouldn't, let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you today for your amazing grace and love toward us. Thank you that through our Savior, Jesus Christ, that we can be called the children of God. Lord, you said in your word, but as many as receive him, to them he gives the right to become the children of God. Thank you that in faith in Jesus Christ, we can be born into your family, that we can be a part of of your family. Lord, I thank you this morning also that you've given us um, uh, a record of how our Savior came into this world And how those beginning months and years of his life are just an inspiration of faithfulness to us as well. So Lord, I pray this morning that you'll open the word to our hearts and minds. And that you'll show us the great gift that he truly is. And how he changes our lives and how he challenges our lives as well. Father, please teach us this morning in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. You know, first of all, if you look at this account of Jesus coming to, to, to this earth, the Christ child, his birth, uh, you'll notice with me in verses 1 and 2, the Bible talks about the revelation of the Christ child. In other words, it begins by giving us information about Jesus' birth, about how he came in, into this world and, and in that, we can see some things that are important for us as well. First of all, if you notice in verse 1, it's pretty obvious that there were some seeking the Christ, weren't they? I mean, the Bible talks about, th- about uh, some um, scholars and some wise men coming to seek the Lord Jesus Christ. And so they were seeking the Christ child. Uh, Matthew sets the time in when that happened. It says it was when Herod was king and... When Jesus was born, that they found him living in Bethlehem. Now, they didn't see what the shepherds saw. This is after the shepherds had came to find Jesus Christ in the manger sometime after that. Uh, and so he's not a baby like the shepherds saw him. And so uh, they, had, they had seen his star, and the Bible says they traveled following that star to find him. Uh, and uh, we know that Jesus wasn't an infant or uh, not very old for sure, because if you look on in verse 16, uh, you'll find out when Herod got information about 
uh, when the star appeared and when the wise men were there. And he put it all together. And just to be sure, the Bible says that he had every male child killed that was two years and under. So for, we know that Jesus was somewhere around that range uh, by the time that the wise men came and found him. But they were seeking uh, the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, a lot of people uh, that uh, you might know or uh, maybe some that you would hope would be seeking Jesus Christ. Uh, they would be looking for him, maybe not aggressively or uh, maybe not as uh, fervent as you would like to see them, but you know someone who's, who's seeking. They've got a few questions and things that are, are from time to time kind of pop up in their mind about life or about spiritual things or about salvation or whatever. And so there's a, a group of people uh, in our world, in our generation today, uh, that, that are seeking uh, something. Uh, they know that something is not missing. They know that there's something about their lives that are empty. They know that there's something out there that they don't know about. Uh, and so something within them just kind of sets them out uh, seeking. And so that's a good sign when people are seeking something uh, because we can offer them and point them in the direction they need to go. And so we need to be sensitive and faithful over this Christmas season to be watching for and have an ear uh, tuned to those that we see and find that are seeking. But you see, these wise men went a little bit further. They got a little bit more intense than just seeking something. They, they really, if you look at verse 2, the first part of it, they were actually went in to pass the seeking part and they turned into searching for the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, they were willing to commit to this search. And they were willing to do things to find more information. And so they were searching for the Christ. Their seeking turned into a search. And they were asking anyone and everyone uh, about who he was or where he was. They put their intentions out there. And they were open about that. Maybe you know someone like that that... Uh, they're, they're putting their thoughts out there and they're asking some real questions uh, about the Lord Jesus Christ or about salvation or things about the Bible. And so they're much more serious than a casual seeker. And they become someone who's just searching for the Lord Jesus Christ. They were asking with little concern for themselves. I mean, they marched into Jerusalem or walked into Jerusalem and, and they began to ask whoever... Uh, or they, they came to Herod's palace and began to ask, where is this king of the Jews? Where is this one that's born king of the Jews? They, they were just searching. And so as they began to search for him, uh, they also made the statement, we've come to worship him. So seeking for the truth of Christ is worth a risk, isn't it? I mean, if we're genuinely seeking him, then we ought to be willing to risk. It's worth the sacrifice. It's worth the commitment. It was worth their trip and their journey uh, to, to uh, Jerusalem and ultimately to Bethlehem to be able to witness the Christ child. Uh, how much more should we be willing to risk uh, our own lives or our faith or our our Commitment to the Lord Jesus Christ to advance the knowledge of Jesus Christ to share him with other people. Uh, how much should we be willing to hold back? Real, really, just nothing, right? We should be willing to risk it all so that we could proclaim, announce the Lord Jesus Christ to the world. 
now, you know as well as I do that sometimes that, that risk is, um, is, is really unnerving for us. Uh, the Bible says that the people in Jerusalem were troubled. Uh, and so we realize that, hey, it's not always an easy thing to be able to share our faith. But if we find one searching for the Lord Jesus Christ, then it demands of us as believers to be willing at whatever cost to share that good news of Jesus Christ, to be bold enough to say, here's what I believe, here's my, my, my life's foundation, and I'm willing to share it with you. Uh, if you'll listen, if you're searching. And so, there are some, these guys were searching for the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, and it didn't matter what the cost was, they were willing to look for him. Another thing they were doing, if you look at verse 2 also, is that they, were, they had been studying Christ. Uh, they'd learned some things about him. It wasn't a blind search. Uh, they didn't just go off in, in any direction, but uh, Scripture says in verse 2 that they'd seen his star in the east. And why, they were wise men coming from the east. Now, that word wise man is a, a word that means magi, or uh, the word it really literally means uh, someone who uh, is a scholar, or it was a Persian ref, uh, reference to a scholar, or uh, an astronomer who studied the stars and uh, tried to discern wisdom from the stars. And I don't recommend that to you today. Astro- astrology is a wicked thing, okay? <laughs> so don't go there. Uh, but these guys had, had saw somewhere uh, about the appearance of a star. Now, there's a lot of speculation about where they got their information. But if you go back in the book of Daniel, remember these guys were coming from Persia. They were coming from Babylon area. They were, were coming from that part, and they were, they were following a star. They were in the east. They saw the star, and they went, and they began to follow it. Now, we, we know the Bible even reveals to us that uh, in the book of Daniel, chapter 9, that Daniel had a knowledge of Jeremiah's prophecies. Jeremiah was living in Jerusalem and prophesying about the captivity, and yet Daniel knew and understood some of the things that Jeremiah was prophesying about. Uh, if you look at Numbers chapter 24, uh, you, you'd find in that verse 17 that there's a reference to the star, the Lord Jesus Christ, and also in, in Isaiah chapter 60. And so when the Jews were taken into captivity, they took the word of God with them. And they carried the word of God. And, and, and these magi not only were scholars and uh, astronomers, but also there was an element of religion mixed in with their learning. And so they searched all kinds of religions. Uh, I can imagine that they must have knew what Jeremiah had said. And they must have understood what uh, was in the book of Numbers and, and Isaiah also. And so based on that, they begin to watch. And they begin to look. And they begin to study more about who this king would be, who this savior would be. And so now all of a sudden the time is there. Uh, God sends his son uh, the sign of his son's coming is there. And so they wake up one day after their studies and they said, hey, let's, let's go after, let's pursue him. And, and, and you know the wonderful thing about God's, our relationship with him is that he wants us to pursue him. And one of the ways that we can pursue him is by understanding more about him. Now, God's given us more than two or three verses to know Him. He's given us a whole Bible that's full of information, revelation about who He is. 
And so if we want to understand him, know him, know how to share him, and, and know how to live in the fullness of our relationship with him, then, then it's demanding that we study about Jesus Christ. That we be faithful in the word of God to uh, understand more about him. You say, well, Brother Mike, I've been reading the Bible for 60, 70 years, however long you might be reading it. Well, listen, you read it again because there's more there. You'll, you'll never find the end of it, the bottom of it, or you'll, you'll never finish uh, studying the Word of God. And so it's important that we realize that. So here were some guys, they were searching for the Christ, they were looking at Revelation, the Bible, and so they begin to see some things that sent them out on a journey. Now, uh, it's important that we're faithful also. Uh, Paul said to Timothy, to study, to show yourself approved. A workman of God, not needing to be apologetic about it, but rightly dividing the Word of God. And so we need to be that person studying the Word of God. And then, and then finally in this revelation of the Christ, y'all, I want you to see at the end of verse 2, he, said that, uh, and, and, uh, he says that, and have come to worship him. Uh, they were coming for a reason, uh, to worship this King, the Savior, Christ, the, the Messiah. And so we understand for that reason they were submitting to Christ. When we hear the revelation of God, understand it, or when we read the word, that uh, the, our necessary response is submission to the word, isn't it? I mean, what good is it to read the word of God and not give ourselves over to the truth that we find in the word of God? I mean, how does it help us to have a head full of knowledge and, 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 and no application of the Word of God in our lives? James says, don't be hearers of the Word only, but be doers. He says, if we're not doers of the Word, that we're deceiving ourselves. In other words, to hear the Word of God and think that's enough is self-deception. But to hear the Word of God, respond to it, submit to it, and, and yield ourselves to what God is. Is, is showing and revealing to us is, is the journey that God has got us on. It's following the Lord Jesus Christ. It's going after him. And so it's necessary. You know, we saw some in the story of the Christ child, these men who went out and pursued uh, the Lord Jesus Christ because of the revelation that they received about the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, let me give you another thing. Not only uh, about is it about revelation, uh, but also if you look with me a little bit further, it's about responding to the Christ child, isn't it? It's receiving this revelation, and what do we do with it? How do we handle the truth, or how do we uh, uh, deal with the truth? And that, that's responding to, uh, to the Christ child, or to the revelation of the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, you know, if you look at verse 3, first of all, in verse 3, Herod and all of Jerusalem were surprised by the truth, by the news of Jesus Christ. Uh, I mean, here, here's this entourage from the east, and they're coming into Jerusalem, and they hear why they're there, and, and all of a sudden they're surprised by what they hear. The Bible says Herod was troubled in all Jerusalem with him. Caught him off guard. As the truth of God's word ever caught you off guard? I mean, you, you know, all of a sudden, just surprise. 
right? I, I mean, it, it may be overwhelming to us at times of, of what God is saying or, or what the Word of God says about the circumstances we're in is, is exactly opposite of what we want to do or what we feel in our, our hearts and minds. And, and so God is calling us a radical obedience to Him which bypasses our own personal life experiences. Surprise, right? It's all throughout the Word of God. As a matter of fact, the Bible teaches what a, a paradox of Christian life is when we compare it to secular life. First shall be last, right? Uh, the, the least in the kingdom will be the greatest. That you have to die in order to live. I mean, what's up with that, right? But yet, that's the surprise factor of the Word of God when He begins to reveal. Pray for your enemies and those who use you. And, and, wow. Love your enemies. All those things that we know that Christ exampled in His life and that Jesus Christ calls you and I to, as radical as it sounds and as different as it seems, is yet sometimes surprising and overwhelming for us. And so here they come. They come to Herod, and, and, and Herod's there, and he's concerned. I really believe Herod's concerned because Jesus would have been a rival to him. What do you mean another king? is? I'm king, right? I'm, I'm, I'm in authority. I'm in control. But isn't that exactly what the Word of God does? That Jesus asserts his lordship in our life and it surprises us. No, wait a minute, Lord. I'm calling the shots. Wait, wait, wait a minute, Lord. I don't want to do that. I don't want to be like that. I don't want to change in that way. And, and all of Jerusalem's looking at it and they're surprised and they're upset. Why? Because, oh no, not another king. You know, we just adjusted to this king and we're going to have another one? A different one? That's called change, isn't it? How surprised and how overwhelmed are we by change? When our schedules are disrupted and our patterns of life are changed, or when, let me just say it, when, when, our, when our ruts get filled in, right? Our paths change. God has another way for us. It's surprising, isn't it? When God does that. But yet it's necessary for our lives. And so responding to the Lord Jesus Christ is being open to being surprised. It's being open to something new. It's being open to something different. It's, it's being ready, matter of fact, and excited about what Jesus Christ has for us next. We look with what he's doing in anticipation. Or we should. Excited about that, right? Some of you guys are, I'm wondering about you. Okay. All right. The people might have thought about the changes. But you know what's amazing is the ones who seem to be surprised about it. Uh, you know, you'll find their response in uh, verse uh, 5. Uh, and when he goes to, uh, Herod goes to the scribes and the Pharisees and the chief priests and the rulers, and he says, hey, where's the, where's the Christ going to be born? And they, they, they know where he's going to be born, but he's already there, and they didn't even realize it. You talk about the ones who should have known didn't know. And so they had to be reminded about it by, by some guys coming from a long way 
who had little knowledge. And still these scribes Pharisees didn't know. Surprised. So there's the surprise by the news. Another thing that happened is that, that, that there's an attempt in suppressing the news, isn't there? I mean, what does Herod want to do with it? Herod wants to keep, <coughs> he wants to keep the inquiries down, and he wants to keep them quiet so he can control the narrative, right? Have you heard that? I don't know how many times. I, you know, I hear that over and over. Control the narrative, control the narrative. You know, when you control the narrative, you suppress the truth. And what Herod wanted to do, he wanted to get out in front of it, right? Some more language. He wanted to get out in front of the crisis, take care of it, suppress the truth. Nobody knows. I'll deal with this thing. Nobody will be the wiser. I'll be king, not my rival, and all those kind of things. And yet, how guilty sometimes are we of suppressing the truth? You know, God's speaking to our hearts. And what do we do? We get out in front of it with excuses. Excuses. Or justification for what God's speaking to us about. You know, and so God tells us, hey, look, this has got to change in your life. And then what do we do? We're getting out in front of that with every reason why we shouldn't. Or everything that we, we feel of discouraged or alarmed or fearful about. Every reason why we think we shouldn't go. We're often guilty of that same thing, pushing down the truth or ignoring the truth and all together trying to forget about the truth. But you know, there's a problem with that. It's dangerous when we do that. The Bible warns us if we're suppressing the truth, we're living dangerously. Listen to what Paul writes to the Romans, Romans chapter 1, about suppressing the truth, verse 18. He says, for the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth and unrighteousness. You see, suppressing the truth is unrighteous. It's sinful. It's wrong. Because we, we should walk in the truth. Not, not push it away or ignore it or forget about it, but we ought to be walking in the truth. And so anything other than that is suppressing the truth. It's acting as if it didn't happen or it's not going to happen or it doesn't matter. And so what, what do we do? We, we just push it away. Now, how many, how many of you have been blessed by pushing problems out of the way? I mean, you've, they've really kind of come back and blessed you, right? <laughs> no. Never happens, does it? Never happens. When God begins to move uh, in our hearts and we need to deal with what he's, what he's revealing to us. We don't need to push it away or push it down or try to cover it up. We need to deal with it immediately and not suppress the truth. So, so Herod wanted to get a hold of the situation and then uh, control the narrative, suppressing the, the news of Jesus Christ. Well, another thing also, not only was there a surprise and an attempt to suppress the truth, but also, if you look at verses 7 and 8, there was an attempt at subverting the truth. I mean, what did Herod want to do? He wanted to take the truth, and he wanted to use it in an awful way, didn't he? He, he, he told the wise men, he said, you, you know, my, my scholars are telling me he's going to be born in Bethlehem. What you need to do, why don't you go on ahead and find out where he's at and then send word back by me so that once I get that word, I'll come and worship him too, right? Yeah. 
Yeah. So Herod wanted to use the truth in an attempt to do an awful thing. Oh, it was a fact that he was born in Bethlehem. But Herod wanted to take that truth and use that truth to stop God's will. You see, in our world today, we call that a cult, don't we? Where they take some of the Word of God and they twist the Word of God and, and they subvert the Word of God in a way to do something awful. Something awful. You'll, you'll even find unbelievers who'll take the Bible and quote Scripture from the Bible as an unbeliever because they want to subvert the truth. Do you know who else subverted the truth? Satan. Satan was a subverter of the truth. I mean, you know, in Jesus' temptation of Satan in the wilderness, of Jesus and Satan in the wilderness, what did he do? He came at Jesus with truth. But he subverted that and twisted that in a way that Jesus responded to his challenge in that way, then he would have violated God's will and God's truth. But Jesus answered him with the truth. And the truth prevails. Uh, so there's a danger of subverting that good news of Jesus Christ. We have to be careful about that very thing. And so that's our response, isn't it? We have a response to the Christ child. It's to uphold the truth. It's to submit to the truth. It's to be obedient to the truth of God. The good news of Jesus Christ. And to follow him in, in, in submission in his will. So, don't, don't, please don't respond in the wrong way to the good news of Jesus Christ. And then finally, I want to close with this last thing, is rejoicing in the Christ child. That once these men found Jesus, that they, they rejoiced, didn't they? I mean, they had a celebration, their journey. I don't know how many days or weeks or months they journeyed to Bethlehem from where they were. Bible doesn't tell us that, but it was a long journey. And once they reached the place where they were going, they had a celebration. You ever done that before? Have you ever went on a road trip and you had a destination, and once you got to that destination, it was happy dance and hallelujah, wasn't it? Oh, man, I'm so glad I'm here. (laughs) Every time we go on a mission trip in our van pulling our trailer, when we get to there, I celebrate. (laughs) Celebrate. If we make it on time, okay. If we just make it, it's celebration. <laughs> celebration. And so they worshiped him. The Bible says that they, they fell down. They fell down before him. That was an acknowledgement of their humility and an affirmation of his deity. The, the word used, fell down, it means they fell flat on their face. Before him. That they humbled themselves. And they understood the reason for that was because of his deity, his godness, his his person. Not only did they fall on their face physically, but in their spirit, spiritually. They were laid out before a holy God who they had searched for. I don't know if you can remember the day that you were saved, but I remember the day that I was saved. 
And, and, and let me tell you, that day was a day where God humbled me and caused me to rejoice because of his holiness and his goodness and grace. And so they fell down before him. They worshiped him. They, they re, the Bible says they rejoice with exceeding great joy. Not, not, not just casually or not just, yeah, it's a great day. And it, but with exceeding great joy. They were overwhelmed by the events of, of coming before his presence. In the presence of God. And so they rejoiced and, and when they did, it was an amazing thing. The Bible says not only that, knowing the truth caused them to rejoice, but, but also worshiping in the truth caused them to rejoice. Rejoicing in that truth, they, they fell down. They, the Bible says they opened their treasures. What a response to God in open treasures. I, 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 I looked at a little bit of the, the thought behind that word and it really means treasure box or vault or place of safekeeping or whatever. Uh, and so the Bible says that they opened their treasure box. Isn't that awesome? I don't even have a treasure box. But they opened their treasure. I used to when I was a kid, but they opened their treasure box and inside were treasures. And they took out their treasures and they presented them to the Lord Jesus Christ. I want to tell you, there's a lot of things that you and I have that are precious. First of all, I believe that one of those things that they didn't need to take out of that box that was precious to them is that they offered themselves. That they opened up themselves to believe on Him. That they opened up themselves to commit their life to Him. I don't believe that this is the last time that these men thought about what they'd saw. I believe that they carried that good news back to where they were from, and they began to tell people, hey, guess what we experienced? We were in the presence of Almighty God, and we worshiped Him, and He's born in, in Bethlehem, and you need to believe in Him. And so they opened up themselves, their lives, their service, their strength to Him, and, and, and they gave. They gave themselves. Certainly, the Bible says they gave things to him. Scripture says gold, frankincense, and myrrh. We can make a lot about that, but, you know, as, as we've heard many, many times, that, that gold is a, a, is a representation of kingship, lordship. Uh, and, and so it would be appropriate for them to give a king gold. Uh, frankincense is the thing. It, it's, it, it's like... Um, uh, a, a fragrant aroma. You, you know, have you ever um, seen maybe on television or maybe you've been to another kind of church where they have these sensors and they light them and they swing them back and forth and they diffuse this wonderful smell through, through, throughout the building. And Paul says something about that in Second Corinthians chapter 2 when he says that your life is like that good smell. And that you diffuse it wherever you go as a believer. That your life is the sense of smell from life to life. And so I, I believe that they gave this to him to recognize him as priest. 
that he's king and, and he's priest of our lives. And, the, and then the other gift was myrrh. Uh, now myrrh was uh, a, a costly uh, fragrance also. Uh, myrrh came from the Nile River in that area. Cost a lot to get it there. And so, but it was used to prepare bodies, to prepare the dead. You see, I, I believe that this gift also spoke about Jesus' suffering, about his death and his resurrection. So they were talking about Jesus Christ and his life, how he suffered through his life as the prophet, priest, and king. And they knew that. And they brought these appropriate gifts, these things to give them. Something else I really believe about that as well, that I believe that when Joseph and Mary had to flee, that they took this stuff and cashed it in. And it sustained their life while they were on the run. Another gift. Another gift. And so they opened their treasure box and they gave. They worshiped him also in verse 12 by listening to what God had to say. What did God, he divinely warned and, uh Then being divinely warned in a dream, they, uh, they, they should not return to Herod by, uh, they departed in the, uh, to their own country another way. And so they listened. They listened. To what God had to say. And they were obedient to him. All those things are a way that they rejoiced. In the Lord Jesus Christ. They knew the truth. And they worshipped in truth. And that's what God calls us to. You see. There's a lot to the story. Of the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. Sometimes we get so familiar with these passages of scripture. That hey we read them. And we just are kind of warmed by what they say and the story behind them and our thoughts. But let me tell you, there's much to what God reveals in His truth. Bow with me if you would and let's pray. Heavenly Father, we're so thankful today for the truth of Your Word. That God, You give us an understanding of who You are. You ask us, ask us to respond to that truth. And then, Lord, we rejoice in responding to your truth. Lord, help us over this Christmas celebration to remember how incredibly amazing the fact that you came to this earth and that you were born as a child, grew as a man, gave up your life, Buried and was raised from the dead. It's the good news. Thank you for opening our hearts to the good news. For us being able to take that truth in by faith. And believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. It's in his name I pray. Amen.